Hey, Zach. <laughs> hey, Stephen. All right, so uh, you remember last episode when we were talking about uh, how my Google password was um, seven, eight, nine. It was nine characters long, but it also had been the one I used since 2009. Um, and Stephen yelled at me a lot. I remember, yes. Uh, my mouse has stopped moving, so give me one moment to repair that. It's not going to get repaired. Everything's going to happen through touch. Neat. Um <laughs> Okay, so uh, right after that, I said that I would change my password, fix it up, and Stephen said that you would hear it uh, here first, that I had not... um, God, okay. So Stephen anticipated that I was going to lock myself out of my Google account. Stephen was right. It happened Wednesday, the day that the (laughs) podcast went out. I knew it. So, um, yeah, turns out LastPass didn't save the password that I made. Um, I should probably commit that to memory, but I feel like the bigger issue is having a new and unique password. Uh, a new and uni- unique password that the last pass didn't register that you were changing. What's that? It, the problem wasn't that the password was you and you, uh, sorry, new and unique. It was that last pass didn't pick it up. Correct. But the, the, I, I, I fixed it. Eventually I got it. Uh, I I got signed in. I had to have them text me, but the problem was my phone got kicked off of it. So I kept getting like the sign in notification every minute or so because I'm not connected to any Google account, which is illegal on Android. Um, (laughs) So I got signed in, used the two-factor authentication. Luckily, that doesn't need me to be signed in to already work. That would be awful. Um, I fixed up my password and now it is saved to LastPass. awesome and like more characters none of which are well some of which are in other passwords but not in that arrangement great (laughs) uh well learn from zach's mistake listeners and when you're creating a password uh keep track of it yeah that's it um it's one thing actually for a bad guy to get into your account but if your account is so secure that even you can't get into it, that's not good either. <laughs> so I should have mentioned this last week, but make your password something you're comfortable with. Yeah. I don't know. I think I think the trust no one password system applies to yourself as well. <laughs> well, speaking of security, Zach. Yeah. Cloudflare is using lava lamps to make security happen. Wait, what? Cloudflare is the... It's a DDoS protection service. Yeah, so basically Cloudflare has tons and tons and tons of servers, and you can give them your website, and they will make a little uh, little screen, like a, a uh, protection screen, so that if someone tries to bring down your website by flooding it with traffic... They will get like a little captcha so that robots can't do it. Only people can get to your website. Mm-hmm. Um, but to do that, it requires some security. Otherwise, the bots would just go around the protection. Yeah. So, um, 
Cloudflare has to generate entropy for encryption keys, and they're doing it, at least uh, this is one of the ways they do it, by pointing a camera with a rotating crystal lens at a wall of lava lamps and taking a hash of that (laughs) image every millisecond. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, so uh, the lava lamp, it heats up the wax, and the wax, the hot wax floating up through the oil, um, the way it breaks apart, the way it floats, the way it interacts with the cooling down wax coming back down, that is random enough, especially when run through, when you have a hundred of them. And yeah, e- even if a single pixel is different, the hash is going to be totally different. Yeah, unpredictably different. And yeah, that's like, I thought it was a really creative way of generating entropy. That, um, yeah. There are, (laughs) uh, what most consumer grade encryption software does is make you wiggle your mouse around until uh, you've generated enough (laughs) entropy. If you just do any unpredictable thing, you can like, if you have a accelerometer and a wristwatch, that's random enough to... Mm-hmm. generate entropy for an encryption key it's really not that challenging but computers are really bad at being random so so google actually i know one of the ways that they keep you from needing to like they, there used to be all those captchas you would check the button and it would say oh make sure you're not a robot do this captcha or whatever and now google's moved to just you need to check a box and it spins for a little bit and analyzes some numbers and then it proves that you're not a robot because your mouse movement is unique enough. Oh, interesting. I didn't know they so did it that way. I thought it was like yeah, a... Yeah, that's, that's how the... I thought they did it by watching your browser and its uh, browsing patterns. Hmm. It probably also that, but I know one component of it is if your mouse oh, suddenly yeah. Yeah, moves it could totally and be you're a combination. on the desktop or... Yeah. So I wonder if they harvest my mouse movements to to use for their encryption keys oh man maybe <laughs> <laughs> is that good on lava lamps uh yeah i'm gonna put a link in the show notes to how we found out that they use um lava lamps what cloudflare does it's a a secure a uh encryption engineer of sorts uh posted a picture on his twitter account <laughs> so i'll put that in the show notes So Cloudflare has also been in the news recently for other reasons. Um, You are probably aware of the Charlottesville riots, which happened... I am aware of them. Recently. Yes. Um, (laughs) I I keep wanting my mouse to be there, and it's not there. My mouse just disappeared. Fun. Sometimes it happens that it disappears when I'm using Chrome, but now I'm using OneNote. OneNote should work. That aside... So the the Charlottesville riots happened that that happened recently, and um, the website the Daily Stormer. Have you heard of them? I have not. Okay, so they're uh, neo-Nazi website. Really not great content, as agreed upon by a large fraction of the internet, including a lot of their domain providers and their different support services. When you make a website online, as you know... Oh, I see. Yeah. You need to have particular things. If I made a website, I would need to get the domain name from somewhere. I would need to put it on a server somewhere. And I'd need to get that DDoS protection that we were talking about earlier. Hmm. So I'm guessing Cloudflare 
didn't like the Daily Stormer. So Cloudflare for a long time has not liked the Daily Stormer, along with a lot of their other, their hosting service and their um, domain name registrar. Um, but they went along with it in the name of free speech. Um, then the Daily Stormer posted something mocking the victim of the car incident at the Charlottesville riots, uh, Heather Heyer. Are you, how, how much uh, of that do you know about? I've been avoiding news. That's, yeah. Uh, so there was this riot. Neo-Nazis were there. There were counter-protesters. And one of the neo-Nazis drove a car through the counter-protesters. Okay. Someone died. That was Heather Heyer. Okay. Uh, the Daily Stormer decided to make fun of Heather Heyer, I think, in, a, in an article. Okay. Uh, and at that point, they started catching a lot more flack than they already had been just for being a neo-Nazi website. Uh, GoDaddy, at the time, was their uh, domain name registrar. They gave them 24 hours to get off the platform or they would just delete them. So they moved over to Google's DNS uh, provider, DNS registrar. Okay. Uh, Google deleted it almost immediately because hate speech is against most of these companies' terms of service. Oh, I see. So um, j- just quickly, Zach. Um, yeah. Uh, so just to be clear, if I knew the Daily Stormer's IP address, I could type that in and still get to the Daily Stormer. Yes. If you knew their IP address, you could. Okay. So all you're doing is deleting their domain name from the internet, not the actual website. Yeah. Those, those particular bits of it are, um, Facebook was also deleting any links that went to that specific article. Although other ones that went to different places on the daily stormer still went through, um, Cloudflare also pulled support because they had been using Cloudflare. Apparently, Cloudflare actually provides support for about 10% of internet traffic. Yeah, that's what I heard. Um, and usually, they're pretty agnostic. They try and treat themselves like a common carrier, I believe is the term. Okay. So they usually would just default to if something was explicitly illegal according to the local area. Then they would not support it. Correct. Okay, so is uh, is this hate is that is making fun of that protester protester illegal? I don't believe so. I'm certainly not a lawyer, but I think it is legal, but not protected. Um. Okay. From what I remember from my government class in high school is that um, you can say things that are not harmful to others. Mm-hmm. So. You can't scream fire in a crowded theater because that puts people in danger. Yeah. You can, um, and, and I think you can't, well, it gets a little complicated with, um, libel. Yes. It gets a little complicated with libel, uh, because you can say bad things about celebrities because they're celebrities and public figures and they are held to a higher standard, mm-hmm. but you cannot with just normal people. Yeah. So, yeah, I, uh, it's definitely a gray area as far as the law is concerned, as far as I can tell. Yeah. But usually uh, on in these instances where they're at a gray area, Cloudflare would err on the side of free speech. Okay, that makes sense. So, what, so why was this one different? So this one was different uh, because the Daily Stormer started taking uh, Cloudflare's silence as support. 
Oh, so they're so the Daily Stormer said that Cloudflare supports us? Yeah, because they're not pulling them down while all of these other internet companies are. Oh, then yeah, totally pull it. So yeah, the CEO put out a, a memo then right after he pulled it off the internet and pretty much said, I woke up in a bad mood this morning and decided to kick them off the internet. Wait. Yeah. He put out a memo saying that? Yeah. Well, there, there was more to it. That was the opening uh, line. Uh, okay. But in the memo, did he mention that the Daily Stormer was saying that about Cloudflare? Yes. Okay. I'm more okay with that. I'm just, if he like lied to the public and said, we pulled it down for this reason because I mm. woke up in a bad mood, that's less okay with me. But yeah, if it's in there, then that's, and totally they're right. So I'm in su- yeah. support, but. Yeah, I, I also definitely support them. But it, it's an interesting place to get into to look at the ethics of this and where they stand. There shouldn't necessarily be any one or three companies that can just unilaterally decide to take down a site from the internet. Um, yeah, but they don't. I think if you really tried, you could still get on the Daily Stormer, right? Uh, no. No? After, after Cloudflare went down. So Cloudflare had been getting um, different messages from hacking groups saying, hey, please take down the DDoS protection. We're trying to hack them, or oh, at okay, least trying to DDoS yeah. them. So, and all right, that's a little different, though, because Cloudflare isn't taking them off of the internet. They're just allowing someone else to take them down off the internet. I, I think Cloudflare, uh, it might also be a marketing move, is trying to argue that you can't be a large site on the internet without some sort of this protection, which, again, might be just as much an ethical thing as it is a marketing thing. Yeah. These three companies haven't really taken this website off of the internet because there I'm sure there are still plenty of DNS uh, registrars that still have the Daily Stormer on their records. Are there? I don't know, but I assume there's at least one. So, no, actually, from what I found. Really? Which means the head of the Daily Stormer is now angry at uh, the ICANN, the Internet Consortium of Addresses and Naming. Uh, uh, the people, the people who give out URLs, ICANN, <laughs> um, because they're that's supposed to be a de- definitely supposed to be a neutral organization, and there's no domain registrars currently like okayed by the ICANN that don't deny hate speech yeah that's a little weird actually it's understandable like because it's as a company you don't want to condone hate speech it's not great for business usually yeah but uh, not not uh well allowing it to exist and condoning it are different things in my mind yeah and I think they're def I, I don't know I my my instinct tells me that there should be a way for uh there should be a way for even hate speech to exist even though there is well there is a way it's okay. it's not the best way uh, did you did you have okay go uh, ahead go ahead okay they're now using Tor and they're yes. hosted on a Tor server okay which is um a big involved protocol that I don't actually know too much about, but... Uh, well, okay, so the way Tor works is it's called... It's the 
onion protocol and basically uh i if i'm going to establish a connection to say google.com i first go to this uh this onion router in bangladesh then this onion router in china then this onion router in canada and then this onion router but finally uh in germany before that one sends it to google and google sends it back through that route Mm -hmm. and that's all encrypted and actually a really really complicated system but uh the idea is that any any connection is private and uh untraceable by any endpoint i guess Mm -hmm. and there are tor addresses like there are ip addresses so they're hosting a server at a Tor address, but there's currently not a great way to get from a like a Tor domain name to a Tor address. Yeah, and that's by design, actually, because mm-hmm. the idea of Tor was that you're not supposed to be able to find a website that you don't already know about. Yeah. So someone in real life has to tell you about this uh, Onion site, this Tor site for you to go to it so it's even more private that way mm-hmm. so how is the daily stormer using it that's where their server is right now that's where they're hosted I, they're they're hosted in russia now okay so and is, you can reach them through tor are are they using a onion endpoint or is it more like if i were to go to google on tor i i don't know okay i, I think it's a it's a tor endpoint okay Wow, that's pretty tech-savvy stuff. Yeah. Uh, and and then there's one more thing about this. It's it's a multifaceted, uh, co- complex issue. Uh, <laughs> who'd have thunk? Um, so there, the last thing about this is um, that Cloudflare is now debating whether or not they should take off one of their warrant canaries. Uh, why would they be debating it? So they've got four warrant canaries, uh, which are basically um, things that they publish in a yearly transparency report that just say, we've never turned over our SSL keys to anyone. Uh, We've never installed any law enforcement software on their network. Uh, They've never terminated a customer or taken down content due to political pressure. And they've never provided any law enforcement organization a feed of their customers' content. And those they publish every time, and the idea is they can't tell their customers that their network has been compromised and now they've got law enforcement equipment there, but they can constantly be telling their customers that they haven't. Okay, so I missed that last sentence. Third... I'm sorry. The okay. Skype cut out. Uh, I was just summarizing what the warrant canaries are, that you can't, you can't publish when the government has asked you to do something but you can constantly publish that the government hasn't Um, and stop publishing that once they have. Okay, so they're debating whether or not to take down the political pressure one, I assume? Yep. Okay. Um, Yeah, they definitely should. Mm -hmm. I I understand that it's it's not the same as, like, the president asking Cloudflare to take down a website, but it is political pressure. It doesn't have to be from a government official. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where they are now is they've removed this website from the internet and also removed one of their warrant canaries or are very close to removing one of their warrant canaries from their transparency report. 
You know, Zach, I just, I, this is actually one of the reasons I stopped listening to news. I think because all of this, all these, this news, all this Nazi news is just a distraction from the real issues like dairy politics. (laughs) Okay, so what are they distracting me from? What's happening in dairy politics? Oh, everything. You should go look it up yourself. (laughs) All right. I couldn't possibly tell you on the podcast. We wouldn't have enough time. Gotcha. Yeah, I makes sense. Dairy politics are important in Wisconsin, but what's important in some of the more uh, central states? I don't know. Wisconsin's pretty close to the middle. It's close, but it's not quite there. Okay. Um, and not even the uh, central states, because the in a a total eclipse happened over pretty much the entire com- country. In fact, over across the country entirely, it ended in the Pacific, in the Atlantic Ocean, and started in the Pacific. Yeah. So, so vertically, the center. Yes. I took a road trip, Zach. I took a twenty-two hour road oh. trip from Wisconsin to Wyoming, and yes, I went out there to see the eclipse. Uh, my, I have family with uh, some property out there. I wouldn't have to find a hotel or something, so that was cool. Um, and it was just incredible. Uh, and I had, for the last week, I've been trying to figure out why seeing the total eclipse was as incredible as it was. And I still don't have a good answer. Uh, the best I can come up with is that it basically goes from high noon to dusk in less than half a minute. So I could just like set up my camera from noon to seven on a time lapse and it'd be the same effect? Yes, uh, almost though, <laughs> almost. Because the other thing that happens is that when the sun starts to become covered by the moon, um, when there's just a sliver of light left, your shadows, th- the shadows of things become very sharp. Because normally mm. when the sun is up in the sky, it's coming at the ground from a bunch of different angles. But when the sun is being covered and it only has a little sliver, it's only coming from, well, still a ton of angles, but way less. Yeah. And so the shadows look really cool. Um, and also there's a big black hole in the sky where the sun usually is. And it has like sparkly sun fragments coming off of it, which looks really, really cool. Uh, basically, if you can, if you have the opportunity to see a total eclipse, do it. It's worth it. it and it was worth every hour of the 44 I ended up spending in a car. Ooh. And there's I... There's one in 2024. It's not too far away. It's not that 40 years that lapsed between the last one and this one. Uh, where is it? Uh, it goes up from Mexico to uh, eastern Canada. Oh, kind wow. Kind of through... That's a big one. Ohio, Illinois, Indianapolis. Indianapolis is right in the path of totality, actually. Oh, that's going to be a mess. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad I was out in Wyoming when it happened, because even in uh, Wyoming, which has a population of like 500 in the whole state, um, it was still packed with people. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have a short story to tell from the eclipse. Um, Okay. And like I said, I drove to Wyoming to see the eclipse because I have family whose house fell directly beneath the path of totality. And on a property near enough to see from the house, there's a herd of sheep with a sheep da- dog whose name is Bob. Oh my god. Uh, 
and when the sun was being covered, it started to get dark. Uh, and apparently Bob noticed this because he started to put the sheep away for the night <laughs> so that they would sleep. And when the sun came back out, he brought the sheep back out like it was morning. <laughs> it was quite adorable. That's really great. So yeah, and actually we heard some like howling from the nearby mountain. So it was really cool. The animals oh, just yeah. went nuts. But yeah, which is fair because I was going nuts. It was really cool. Did you let any of the animals look at the sun? Because the animals will want to look at the sun, but that's dangerous. Twitter told me that a thousand times. <laughs> uh, Zach, I have uh, something to admit. I totally looked at the sun with unprotected like a ton of times. <gasps> Steven, use protection on oh. your eyes. I used the eclipse glasses for most of it. Like when the sun... When it was still a partial, it was impossible to look at the sun because it just looked like a normal sun until it was the last sliver. And then during the totality, it was... Yeah, then you're not supposed to have the glasses on. Is that what you're talking about? No, 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 no. no. Because I was comparing. Like, I would look up with the glasses and then I would take them off and see if I could see any change from the normal sun, which I totally couldn't. So... Uh-huh. I did my own little experiment, and I did it as safely as I could because I well, not as safely as I could, but as safely as I wanted to. Yeah, because I just. So did I, you? <laughs> do you think uh, for for twenty twenty four when we're going to wherever? Um, do you think we could get some of that treated stuff for the glasses and make like a canvas out of it? Oh, we should make a tent. Yeah, I like this idea. I don't think we can do this, but I will definitely try. Tent. Well, it, it doesn't even need to be a tent. It just needs to be like the size of a small blanket that you can stick up on four poles yeah, and look I up suppose. through. Yeah, it doesn't need to have sides or anything. It just needs to look. It needs just needs to face the sun. Yeah. Okay. Is there? Yeah, that'd be good. Um, how big are you thinking? Uh, big enough to fit a couple people under it, I suppose. Okay. Follow up question: Why? Well, okay, so you were talking about how the shadows look weird, and I was thinking you'd have to take off the glasses to look at the shadows, and that'd just be a lot of work. If you wanted to, like, look up at the sun and, oh, it's close to a sliver, gotta take the glasses off now and look at the shadows. Too complicated. No, it's much more complicated to look up through a tent, walk outside the tent, look at the shadows, walk back inside of the tent, and look at the sun. Well, no, if it's just four posts, you can just look out out of the covering. You what don't it, need to look at your own shadow. Still, your vision is Im- <laughs> your vision is impaired by the tent in some way. Like if you're you can't look past the the edge of the tent, you can't look up past the edge of the tent. How bi- how tall are the poles? Tall enough to fit a person under them. Okay, that's another thing. Is that the eclipse takes a long time? It's like a three hour thing. Yeah. So I don't want to sit. I don't want to stand the whole time. Okay, you don't have to, but if you did want to stand, you could. Okay, so I'm just going to improve on your idea here, though. Okay. Uh, not for tall poles, but for small poles for you to stick your head under. Just your head. Ah, okay. And you just kind of sit up when you want to look around. Maybe. Or you could do, uh, like those, um, the hair drying chairs that they have. Oh, and, yeah, nice, like, nice. In the 60s, uh... But instead of that little glass bubble that comes over your head, it's a sun-staring bubble. Yeah. And you can just look through that, and then if you want to look down, you can just pop it up. Okay. But you're, you're sitting. 
Okay. Now the real question is, is it uh, fiscally a good idea, I guess? Is it because Google and NASA sell those glasses, right? Yeah. And they sell them for, they're cheap, but they're even cheaper to make, I assume. Mm -hmm. So can we sell enough of them? Can we even sell one of them? Do, is this in demand? <laughs> it's in demand by me, Stephen. Okay, we're gonna have to. We'll we'll have to look into this because I'm not sure how expensive that process of treating it, uh, treating a canvas is like that. Because the little glasses are made of like uh, a plastic of sorts. I am just kind of assuming that the plastic is made up in huge sheets, and then they punch out like they die cut yeah. lenses from those sheets. Okay, here we go. We don't have to pay for anything. We just heist style steal one of those big sheets. <laughs> I'm guessing you can also just buy one of the sheets, like wholesale. Uh, I don't know. That's we might be able to. We might not be able to. They they would be like they might be like, okay, you want one because Google's asking for like thirty hundred. Okay, I, I guess then the heist is the next option. Yeah. Okay, so do we attack the truck or the the factory? Uh, or it's the Google warehouse. Oh wait, we can't do the truck because they totally make them in the glasses in the factory. Yeah. So it has to be the manufacturer of the plastic, the truck to the factory, unless unless it's the same thing. That's that'd be an issue. I'm guessing that it's all they're all made in one place with custom printed paper glass things. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we're gonna need to steal right from the factory. All right. Okay. Uh. Kepler burglar or should we talk our way in i think um there's got to be a point when they're testing them and they can't their their vision is impaired when they're testing the glasses out so you run in and get it while they're testing the glasses out that seems like a prototype stage also they totally <laughs> have already done that like if if they have glasses this year they will ha still have those glasses the the recipe per se of those glasses for in seven years from now they won't need to re-engineer yeah, the glasses but i like where you're going um what they don't they will have sun blocking glasses so like a big flash of light won't work however we might i don't think mm, never mind that won't work were you just gonna turn all the lights off was that your plan yes but i realize <laughs> <laughs> i realize that there are probably measures against that yeah. Because it's a factory and that's dangerous. Yeah. Yeah, we All don't right. we don't want to hurt anyone in this heist. We yeah. just wanna heist some Yeah, it was just to confuse. I wasn't trying to hurt anyone, so Yeah. Uh maybe yeah, I we, guess we'll maybe we get a job at the research. factory, Zach. Ooh, yeah. It's a long yeah, con. Yeah, you're right. Long con. We get a job yeah. at the factory and uh we bring a backpack in one day, fold up one of those sheets and put it in there mm -hmm. and hope no one notices. Yeah. Or, or or probably there are scraps like the ones that don't come out quite right or the oh yeah the sheets right, that right. they get the so if you just like stitch together some of the scraps maybe you could make that work you don't even need to steal anything or if we are get a job there you might we might be able to get the recipe itself and make it ourselves I'm not sure how to make I plastics feel like whatever large mechanical beast they use to manufacture that would cost more than whatever the minimum bulk order would be okay and we're probably back to square one but but zach we yeah. don't need a giant one we just need one sheet 
and we've already established that we're able to stitch, stitch them together. Okay. So so are we going to be like the artisan? Yeah. So if uh, we can get like or... if we can get like a sheet of paper st- size one out of what, just what we can make in our like kitchen utensils plastic <laughs> forge. All right. It's a solid plan. We'll work on it. Yeah. Um, we have seven I, years. I also saw. Yeah. I also saw the eclipse, not in uh, totality. I was actually working during it, so I got to run out. Um, Wisconsin had, I think, about a half of an eclipse. So I got to run out during a break at work, see it with some borrowed glasses, and then run back in and continue running sound while my coworker <laughs> ran out, and he got to see it, and then he ran back in. Uh, so I'm excited for 2024 when I can plan for it in advance. Good idea. How how late were you uh, aware of it? I was I probably a couple of weeks before I had really started thinking about it. All right. Or seeing things about it. And at that point, I already had my work schedule, so. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, um, well, I was oh, going to move ahead. on if you were. Yes, I was also going to move on. Okay. We'll have a segue battle to the death. All right, you first. Okay. Uh, I, I had to hustle back to Wyoming, from Wyoming to Wisconsin, because uh, two days from when I was supposed to get back from Wyoming, I was going to move into college. Oh, man. I, I am going to go with my segue for okay. now. Uh, so actually, my event, uh, the one that I didn't get to see in Wisconsin, um, I was working probably a block away from an official NASA-sanctioned viewing event. Um, at my university, University of Milwaukee. Um, classes are starting soon. <laughs> Mine's better. I, I got I got to university and then... Uh, All right. Well, listeners, uh, tell us on Twitter whose segue was better. Yeah. We need, I, I feel like this needs to be a regular segment. We need to get some music for the segue battle. Uh, so you're starting classes soon, right? You've just moved in and you're starting classes? Uh, no, I'm going to be starting them on September 6th. So a week and a bit. That's soon. Yeah, it is pretty soon. Um, as a seasoned college veteran of one year, um, I have some some pro tips. <laughs> All right, let's hear them. They're in my notes as quick tips because that's much more accurate. Um so one of them that I didn't think about until we started recording, actually, is to get to know the city you're in. Uh, if you have a chance, there's probably a bus line. Um, so if you aren't from, as you are not, the the city that you're going to school in, get used to the city. Do you um do you have a like a metro card as a student? Uh, we have a our tuition comes with a bus pass. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. So take advantage of that, like really, um, get a couple friends and find a pizza place or see where a mall is or something just to get more used to a map of the area. Um, I was thinking back to my first couple days or first couple weeks back in college a year ago, one of the biggest jumps was understanding the map of milwaukee because it's Mm, not a town of 800 people but now i can roughly get where i need to go Uh, milwaukee it's easy as long as you keep the lake to your right you can just keep heading up and 
eventually you'll be at UWM. <laughs> but yeah, I would advise going out and experiencing the city if you have some free time. That makes sense. Uh, and and that one you've probably heard from somewhere, from a counselor or from your orientation leader. Uh, and probably the rest of these you have too, but maybe I'll have a different spin on it or something. Yeah, the orientation that is happening at some point, I'm pretty sure on Tuesday. Do they really not give you a calendar of events? Yeah, but they're stupid events. Like what? Uh, hold on. Because we got like a Sprecher's tour and a paddleboarding experience. Okay. That, no, it should just be a week. He's got a month-long calendar. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like it's not. Events. It's not what I. It's not what I want. I want them all in the time that I don't have classes. Because once I start having yeah. classes, I can't go to these things. I mean, you can. There's definitely time, unless they're scheduled right at noon. Well, the first one that is during classes, I can't, which is a Target shopping. Well, never mind. That's on Saturday. I totally can't go to that. that uh, that's worth it. They usually give you free Tide Pods. I would recommend it. Okay. The Target shopping trip? Yeah. Okay. Um, what about on the first Monday of classes? Never mind. That's I am not in the right <laughs> week. Hold on. Okay. Yeah, there's not a, a Monday that week. Yeah, okay. It's whatever, Zach. Point is, I don't need a whole <laughs> month of welcome events. I need a week and a half of welcome events because that's when I want to be welcomed. Yeah, I agree. For sure. Do they at least like have a trolley tour in the next couple days? Uh, Not. That's on the calendar. Weird. Wait, let's make sure. I'm not going to say that without checking. All right. Double check your sources, children. It's good to do. I was right. Cool. All right. So what what are the events that they have in the next week? I just put it over there. Well, you should not do that because now I'm interested to know what your welcome week looks okay. like. In the welcome week, there is... that was That's today. Okay. Today, uh, there is uh, Rex Sports Nat Turf Fields 1 to 4 p.m. Okay. Not really sure what that is. Uh, university bookstore new student night 5:30 to 7 which sounds actually pretty cool cuz the Madison bookstore is pretty awesome it is pretty good um sunset slam at memorial union from 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. what does that entail what does that mean i don't know you have to go ah. google it you have to go google it because it's a month That's calendar annoying. zach there's actually a devil's lake trip on monday Oh, yeah. It's interesting. See, there are things to do. Yeah, but, like, they're not in Madison. They're not a welcoming event. They're a get-me-out-of-this-place event. Yeah, that's the only thing to do when you're in a city, obviously. <laughs> I disagree. They're, the city's so great. Enjoy the city. Uh, just get friends together and walk down State Street and then go off a side street. Explore the city. Is that your official advice from a person in Milwaukee talking about Madison? Yeah. Great. I, I can... I can actually get someone from Madison. Zach, do you have any uh, to, tips? To, uh, go ahead. Do you have any tips on uh, acquiring those friends to walk down State Street with? Uh, your, your LLC. Only make friends in your LLC. Would you if like to expand on that acronym? Uh, so at Milwaukee, it's a living learning community. In Madison, it's some other weird acronym that's not valid. Uh, <laughs> Is it my floor, probably? Yeah, it's likely your floor. Um in its 
it's a community of people with similar interests or goals. So there might be an engineering LLC or a um, inclusivity LLC or... Yeah. Madison uh, has those. Yeah. I don't think there was an engineering one, though. I think they're mostly... Uh, they're called learning communities as well here. Um, and it's your floor. And I'm actually in a learning community. I'm in the studio learning community, which is the artsy music... Um, uh, yeah, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, LLC. And it's really cool because we get like... There's a dance studio in the basement. Awesome. Like, <laughs> There's a production room i guess i don't really know what to call it it's just a room with a bunch of tech in it for making music making audio sound good making video yeah i think there's some video equipment in there too um there's surprisingly a significant lack of actual microphones and cameras but (laughs) the equipment to edit those things once you have them is abundant Mm mm-hmm so do they have a, um, like a common space? What's the layout of the floor? Is there a okay. group uh, of couches you could go sit at? Yes, there's this room called the Den, and that ah. is where we go. And I've been trying to find a better name for it, and there's really not one because... You're right. Is it a den because badgers live in dens? Is that the whole... Is I Do badgers live in dens? Because I've been trying to figure that out. I don't think they actually... They're just kind of holes in the ground, aren't they? Yeah. I think that's what a den is. All right. Let's see. Google. Badger habitat. I literally can't Google anything right now because my keyboard is connected to my computer, but disconnected from actually inputting anything. Okay. So habitat is not the right word. Um hovel badgers live in a hovel uh okay i can tell you what areas of the usa are they're in but not what about where they what was their home i don't want like home home though like but like beavers have a den badgers have no beavers have a dam what a (laughs) okay uh they do seem like they live in holes in the ground. I'd, I guess I'd call it a den Does it if have I had a name, to pick a word. I, yeah. Yeah, I guess I'd go what with What happens den. if you look up badger den? That's a good question. Oh, wait. A badger set, S-E-T-T, oh. is, is a badger's den, which usually consists of networks of tunnels and numerous, numerous entrances. So, that room is totally called a den, but... This dorm, this building, is totally called, mm-hmm. should be called a set. Okay. All right. Anyway, so there's a den. So, like, there's there's celery set, and there's Chapman set. Chapman's yeah. not one of them. And uh, Phillips is... Phillips. Yeah. Phillips set. All right. I'm going to start referring to them as sets, and no one's going to know what I'm talking about until the <laughs> entire school knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's going to become a thing. Uh, right. So, how many people if you could guess, are there right now? On my floor? Or in the den, yeah. Oh, in the den. Probably, like, one or two, because we all just moved in yesterday. The whole floor moved in okay. yesterday. Spend and time And we're just in kind of den. exploring. That's how you and get friends. Either, Yeah, we're either exploring or staying in our rooms. Don't do that. Got a podcast on location from the den. <laughs> and here we see a wild Emma. 
<laughs> All right, but yeah, definitely I would recommend spending time in that den or whatever common space you can find. Okay. Well, here's the, another thing, Zach, is that there is a floor common space, the floor den, and then on the yeah. first floor, there is a, another common area. Do you like the artsy kids who are generally in your den? I haven't gotten to know them very well. It's kind of hard to say. In the abstract. Uh, sure. Let's say yes. Should I? All right. Well, I think I, the better advice would just be to go to the one with more people in it. No, I'm going to argue no? that. Okay. Okay. Is, is the den on your floor a room you have to go to directly or... Is it, like, in the way? If you want to get to your room, you have to go through the den. Nope, it is way out of the way. That's gross. All right, yeah, go to the go to the big one. That's out of the way, too. Yeah, but at least there are more people there. Nope. I've God. yet to see someone oh. go in there. I have been here for more than 24 hours. I haven't been looking at it, at it the whole time, but I've still yet to see someone go in there. Every time I pass it, the lights are off. That's disgusting. I don't know what's happening. I don't even know if I'm allowed to go in there. The door's open, but the lights are off and no one's go- no one goes in there. And there's uh, no sign I'd say saying go into the Okay. Go into the floor den. Do your homework that doesn't require a lot of attention in the floor den and make some friends there. All right. That's good advice from Zach. Um once you have those friends, spend time with them. That's like my favorite part of college. Learning is cool and all, but uh, Okay. What? <laughs> I don't know. I I think that's just part of maintaining friends. You can make friends, but maintaining them is another thing that you might be hard-pressed to do if you don't spend time with them. Yeah, you're right. But, like, value that. Don't just think, oh, I'm at college. I got to do my work. All right. So is it, like, 50-50 social life academics in your head, Zach, as far as importance? It's academics as much as I need to do to get it done. And then everything else the rest of the time. Okay. It's, it's not a right. clear percentage. It's just, oh, God, got to. I dropped a thing. It's not a clear percentage. It's just like, oh, God, I got to finish this thing right now. Let's do that. Oh, hey, my friends are going out to get ice cream. Let's do that. All right. Wait. At the bottom of this Wikipedia page, there is a link for fat badgers. <laughs> okay. That is boring. That is very boring it is not a website filled with fat badgers it is a website filled with information about normal badgers called fat badgers lame i know um uh okay one of the things that you might want to do though is keep a calendar especially of where your classes are when your classes are uh, if you have deadlines or if you're working on campus uh put those all in a calendar i use todoist and google calendar and a bunch of other stuff but other people I know just use a big paper calendar, so... It's it's funny that you said that, Zach, because I had just finished putting my class schedule into my iCloud calendar when you called me on Skype. All right. Well, that's good. Yeah. Does I it do- have the locations? I, that's what I was doing when you called me. I They were in, but I wasn't fully in, I guess. The, the events mm-hmm. are blocked off as times, but they are not fully uh, populated. All right. That's good. And then um, I I asked another student what they thought about what to do for college. And they said, go to lecture, which I feel like you probably wouldn't have a hard time with. But okay. But yeah, it's a good advice anyway. Yeah. Any specific and definitely horror story or just. Um, 
Well, there was uh, my C++ class last year. Um, I missed one day because I wasn't feeling well. And that turned out to be the day we were talking about pointers, which is like the main thing that's different about C++ is pointers from a lot of other languages. So that was the wrong day to miss. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, uh, yeah. Did Were you able to catch up? Uh, not by the midterm, but by the final. I had them figured out. Would you have been able to catch up if you missed more lectures than you did? Probably not. Anymore? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's actually not even my advice. It's a fellow student's. Um, uh, the one last one is uh, review your notes, not just when you've got a test or not just while you're in class, but like actually look back at it. Space repetition. There's science that says that it's good. So do it. Man. All right. These two, these two had to be uh, brought up by another student because I'm horrible. Well, I'm not bad at going to lecture, but I'm really bad at reviewing my notes ever. Uh, <laughs> I barely even did when it was finals. Uh, it worked out okay for me, but don't bank on that. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> uh, another part of another worrying bug aspect of moving in is... Mm-hmm. The thing I looked for, at least, was how efficient the process was. Ah, of course. Of Yeah, of course. Um, and actually really, really efficient. Really? Yeah, I know. I was surprised. Uh, but they had us, they basically blocked off traffic for anyone who wasn't moving in. Uh-huh. And so that was helpful. Uh, mm-hmm. they, coned, they put up cones, so there was no way to get lost. And they had yeah. you pull into... Uh, for celery it was the basketball courts and you had two hours to unload the car and then you had to be out of there yep and they gave you this did did they have like a backup parking structure you could go to once your two hours were up yeah but it's just the public parking in madison it was a parking structure but it wasn't for moving in but that's what people used it for of course yeah um and yeah, they had people working the elevators. They had people um, directing people. They would say, what's your room number? You'd tell them your room number. They would give you directions to your room number. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was all very easy, very efficient. They got you in your room and out of the hallway as quickly as possible. How tall is your hall that you're in? Uh, I don't know. Want me to go check? A rough estimate. Like, is it 10 stories maybe? Oh, how tall is the building? Yeah. It, uh, not the yeah. hallway. <laughs> I was thinking like nine feet, maybe. I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, 10, I think. 10 or 11. Ten stories. Okay. Either 10 or 11. So Milwaukee has the same thing. Same. You get two hours to come in and they've got people manning the elevators, all of that. Uh, everybody in the same floor moves in at the same time. Mm-hmm. So the elevators are, you, you know which floor you're going to. But one of our towers is 24 stories high and unless you have a yellow cart and you're moving into the school you can't use the elevators for two days oh yeah that's rough but yeah that's pretty rough well hmm i don't i don't really know what to say about that honestly i i don't do not have a solution other than taking the stairs obviously but even that's not great because there are people using the stairs too mm-hmm. yeah it's it, it it's as as efficient as they can make it, but it's still made harder by the fact that there are however 
like a thousand people moving into one tower in two days. Yeah, I suppose. Was there any other check-in process that was extra efficient or not? No, that was about the bulk of it. Um, the rest of it was mostly on your own, just arranging your dorm room. Um, mm-hmm. Madison has, well, Celery, I should say. Celery has a lofting guide, I guess, um, for beds and stuff. There's one way to do it, and if you don't do it this way, you have to take it down and redo it. Yeah. Um, but it uses the the shelf of your desk and the dresser to put your bed on top of i can see it behind him it i've been wondering what that bed is up on yeah it's that's a it's his it's weird way to do it 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 really is um but it's really space efficient um because i don't need the top of my dresser yeah Um, yeah i guess so yeah it's just um but we modified it a bit so because my roommate, the way they have it in the picture is for the desk and the dresser to face each other under the bed. Mm-hmm. But you don't want that because the dresser will open up into your shins. Not spontaneously, yeah. but if you want to open something up, <laughs> it'll you'll have to... It's It's close quarters. Yeah. So we actually flipped the dresser around and also flipped the shelving around so that it would open so that the dresser would open up outside Mm -hmm. of the bed and uh, my roommate's desk can be under the bed yeah i'm currently using my dresser as more desk space yep and my bed is on the floor (laughs) and i'm actually quite happy with this setup i'm not happy with the the I, I live in the I was sec- about to call it a microphone, but it's a motorcycle. Yeah. I live close to the ground and the windows are not well insulated, so I get a lot of city city noises. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's worse or better on the top floor or the bottom floor as far as city city noises go? Top floor. It no, it's it's better on the top floor. Yeah, that's what I thought. And that's not something I considered you- until I moved in. Yeah. Plus, the view is so much better on the top floor. Uh, I don't know. I have, like, a bike rack to look at. <laughs> After moving in, I slept my first night in my dorm room, which is very exciting. Uh, who knows what's going to happen? Mostly, it was just... You're a real adult now. Yeah. It, more on that to come. Um, Ooh. But when I woke up, I take a shower in the morning. So, here is what happened. And I I have a problem... And a solution to that problem. So, the problem is that when bar soap gets wet, it wants to shed itself. Yeah. That's, that's fine. That's kind of the home point. Si- yeah, that's, and that's fine in a home situation where you can keep your soap in the same place in the shower. And it's not a big deal if that gets all soapy because it's the shower and, it's co- and it just rinses off. But the situation that I'm in means communal showers. So, I can't just leave the soap somewhere. And I have to take my soap back and forth between my shower and my room. And when the soap is in my room, it will make a mess of what whatever container you put it in. Mm-hmm. So either you have uh, a non-bar soap or you have a gross Ziploc bag. Yeah. Okay. They, they also make like little plastic clamshell soap holders for a dollar or something. 
Yes, but that those don't have the same problem. Look like a gross Ziploc bag. But they're still gross. They're not like they're not gross because it's not soap. Not on the outside. But yeah, they're the same as a Ziploc bag in my head. Yeah. But here's the solution, Zach. A deodorant style container for bar soap. <laughs> so all right. You put the soap in the container, and there's a twisty thing at the bottom that moves the soap closer to the top, which has a hole in it. The whole thing has a cap, so there's no mess on the outside. Okay. And you use it in the shower by taking off the cap and rubbing it on yourself like you would with a bar soap. So so like one of the fancy corn butterers? Yes. <laughs> like that. I'll put a link to that in the show notes too because I'm sure people outside of rural Wisconsin don't know what that is. Really? I'm pretty sure. I think I could go down the hall I'm pretty sure to my floor mates. The pampered chef or something. My I have floor mates from Chicago, and if I go down and ask them if they know what a fancy corn butterer is, they will tell me no. I think you should. <laughs> All right, more. I'll report back. All right. So Stephen right now is actually going to get someone to tell us uh, once and for all what the deal with corn butterers is and if other people know what a corn butterer would even look like. All right, so Stephen, I'm going to have you go out into your common space and find someone who plausibly would not know what a corn butterer is like and report back and or bring them back. going on man this is the person who does not know what a corn butterer is i have no clue what a corn butterer is <laughs> all right that's a, that's it yeah that's really oh all righty i'll get back to my call of duty then. all right thank you all right, you guys have a good one yeah you too <laughs> all right i'm gonna go keep looking for people okay <laughs> My name is Nicholas Christensen. Uh, I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I have no idea what a fancy corn butterer is. Um, really? Really, yeah. I, not not even a little bit of one. Okay, so, but you do put butter on your corn, right? Of course I do. Yeah, so that, like, that's a hassle. Using a butter knife to <laughs> get the pat of butter. Well, I mean, you just, you take a block of butter and then you just rub the corn on top of it. Oh, but that's a that's a messy affair right there. That is a messy affair. <laughs> <So> a, <fancy laughs> <corn, laughs> a fancy corn butterer. Um, you take a whole stick of butter, put it in this little plastic contraption, and then you can squeeze the butter out from one end uh, into a curved end that you can run over the corn. So you're talking about like a syringe that's curved on one end, and you push one end, and then the butter comes out, and then you can just kind of... Yeah, like a yeah, like a butter syringe, just about. Okay, <laughs> a butter. That is an interesting idea, definitely. I've never heard of it, but it's an interesting idea. All right, all right, thank, thank you. Good, awesome, nice meeting you. Is two enough evidence, Zach? Or do I should I keep going? Two's good. I believe you. Okay. Um, but it'd be inexpensive and better than a Ziploc bag because. You don't have to remove the soap and risk bringing the mess to the outside of the container. Yeah. Okay. I, I I can see this, but also don't see why you can't just accept liquid body wash. Because 
I'm on a budget and have bar soap and not liquid body wash. Okay. So clearly the best solution is to start a business selling these. Yeah. Take out lots of loans and hope for the best. Have you looked around to see if it's something that someone actually makes? I could not find anything like it. Do you have a 3D printer on campus that you have access to? Maybe. All right. Um, that That's your other thing to do for Welcome Week is find a 3D printer and 3D print up a soap dispenser. That's a great idea. All right. Once again, more to come. So, Stephen, uh, I'm going to make a hypothetical. Okay. You've, uh, you're like four months down the line. Um you are totally comfortable shopping in this grocery store and you see a cute girl and you want to go up to her and start a conversation. What do you do to start a conversation with a girl in a grocery store? Not the question I'm about to ask you, Zach. <laughs> Please do not. It's uh, Okay, listeners, if this conversation starter would work with you with a random guy in a, in a grocery store please write in because you need to be like studied or something but <laughs> but um it's this is a conversation starter that i'm trying to that i'm trying out so far i'm over one uh not with anyone in particular but big groups of people so uh let's just see with zach uh, how it goes so zach uh what do you sell yourself short on okay so I, I saw this already in the show notes, and I've been thinking about it. And I th- think my my interpretation of this, at least, is what am I unnecessarily humble about? Is that kind of what you mean? Uh, yeah, it is. Um, I That's definitely what the question means. Um, when I said it, I meant something that you are unnecessarily unnecessarily humble about to yourself i guess like something that you are good at but you think you're not as good at as you are but your interpretation is correct so go for it okay yeah because the one you're saying is what do you not think you're good at but are Mm, which is i guess intrinsically hard to answer because if i don't think i'm good at it then I don't think I'm good at it. But it, with some self-reflection, maybe you think you are. Okay, I'll rephrase. What are they shouting? Hey! Oh, okay. Um, for no reason whatsoever, I guarantee it. <laughs> well, it's like they're getting to know one another or something. Their RA is out there and being like, all right, everybody, who's ready for the year? And everybody's like, ah! Except no freshman acts like that. That's That's the other thing. Do act like that. Just be excited for the sake of it when the R because the RAs are trying. <laughs> I'm going to interrupt this segment to bring you another college tip because college students already interrupted the segment. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, yes. Yeah, so, what? What after? What? What? Ten seconds ago, did you think you were not very good at that? You now think you are good at because I'm asking you what you're not good at. Okay. Which you don't have to answer, but that is the question. That's the way I interpreted the question that I asked. But you do not have to answer that question. You can answer whatever you prepared. I'll, I'll think about it for a moment and see if I can come up with an answer. All right. No, I'm, I'm going to go with my prepared statement. Okay. Uh, so one that I can point to and knowingly say I've gotten better at. I, it was a bigger problem before. 
uh, was editing my videos. Um, I'm proud of them. I, I like the videos that I make. And a lot of times in the past, I wouldn't say, hey, look at this thing. I enjoy it and I made it. Check it out. Um, but I would say things like, oh, hey, I just want to make sure the joke's in this land. Would you mind watching it for me for a little bit? And then I would still feel good when they laugh at the jokes, but different mindset, I suppose. So that's the the first one that comes to mind for me. Okay. Um, I was much more broad about it. Uh, I went with, I think that I'm much more creative than I give myself credit for. Uh, be- uh, obviously, because I came up with the deodorant style soap. Um Yeah. But no, I seriously, I am a very organized person and I think tend to think more analytically and there's a stereotype that organized people aren't very creative and I think I've bought into that to some degree. Mhm. Yeah. And yeah, the the various riffs we've done on here and the stick of or, uh, or even so in the den last night they had a um studio learning community uh get to know the people on your floor sort of but not really because it was mostly just a chance for the um for the ra to tell us what the rules are um yeah but one of the things was say your name say your pronoun and answer the question that someone threw at you Mm -hmm. because previous previously to that we had wrote a question down on a piece of paper and threw it in a general direction okay yeah and my question was, it was supposed to be something about yourself, but this person didn't quite get that. They asked, uh, where do I do laundry? <laughs> uh, so where do you do laundry, Stephen? And now the world needs to know. Well, here's what I came up with for my answer. Um, I stood up and said, uh, my name is Stephen. Um, my pronouns are he, him, his. And this question uh, is pretty deep uh it's where do i do laundry uh and it's so deep in fact that i do it in the basement oh my god because the laundry room is the laundry room is in the basement and i was quite proud of yeah. that yeah i get it but it's all like it could also be taken as an, like I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to spin this as an existential question <laughs> um where do i clean my soul when i've yeah i don't know Something Um, like that. There's something there. Okay. Let us know, listeners, if you got a good one. (laughs) All right. So uh, we're probably going to head into our uh, discussion on ReamD. We went up to page 795. But before we go to that, we would like to really quickly remind you that we are looking for another book. Uh, Right now we're looking somewhere in the 200-ish page range, but that's a very loose restriction uh the two contenders right now are the oh god how to win friends and influence people and the prince in the trees is that what it's called the baron in the trees it's called the baron in the trees Uh, (laughs) so those are the two that we're looking for not not quite royal but close you did not Uh, sell me on that book zach if you can't even remember the the name well it's i don't know (laughs) so yeah if you uh, would like to recommend one of those books to us or I've been meaning to read one of those or you just, I don't know, have another book to throw in the ring. Let us know on Twitter. Um, and really, you can reach out to us about anything on the podcast on Twitter. You can find me at the puns guy. And I'm at not Stephen Barry. 
And we'll be back around in your podcast feed if you subscribe in another two weeks. And now we will commence our review, not review, we will commence our discussion discussion of Reemdi, page uh, day 15 through 17. 18. 18. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Days 15 through 18. Uh, broad thoughts on it first? Um, I know the book is ending fairly soon, and I don't know how this is going to resolve itself, this story. Yep. It, it seemed like, oh, Richard and Zula, they're in the same place. It's going to be the end of it. And then... And then, and then, um, so starting from the top, I, we started back on the ship with Songor, Yuxia and Marlin. Um, and they talked about how Marlin picked up rigging a ship like he picked up playing a video game and that same, like, oh, well, let's try a thing. And, oh no, that didn't work. Well, let's keep going down this good path. Did, um, did they give a time frame for that? Do you know? A couple days, I think. Okay, I can see that maybe I. Uh, it's literally all they were doing. Yeah, I, I get that. It's just. Are they out in the hallway or are they in the room next to or above you? Outside the in the hallway. I don't know why you'd uh, want to be in that hallway. It's small and dark. Uh, dear listeners, we apologize for the sounds of college happening. <laughs> um. So. They talked about that and that it took him a couple days of poking around and getting things wrong, but eventually he picked it up. Uh, and that, like, it reminded me of the Facebook motto, move fast and break things. Uh, and I'm wondering, when have you done that and it hasn't worked? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, oh, okay. So my freshman year of high school, I uh, and I went to a project-based school, so we were, especially as a freshman, I was excited to make things. <laughs> And Everyone was figuring it out. Yeah, we were all figuring it out, but I was—I really wanted to make something really, really cool. And I saw this video online for an eight by eight by eight LED uh, cube of LEDs. <laughs> and Zach knows this story, but oh yeah, uh, essentially, um, me and my partner for this project uh, learned uh, to solder mm-hmm. for this project. So we had to solder all the little LEDs together. Um, in a way that we could control them individually. And yeah. we were going to hook them all up to a Arduino and make a, make cool designs with it, I guess, of LEDs in three-dimensional space. It was, was going to be a rotating... Double helix was double helix, the yeah. goal. Yeah. And so, well, like I said, we, and we had these... There was instructions because it came in like a kit, but like the instructions were just terrible. We didn't know what the heck they were talking <laughs> about. So we just started going and we <laughs> like uh, drilled holes in a block of wood and put the LEDs in those holes to line them up, except we didn't like measure that template very well. <laughs> So the whole cube was kind of slanted, and our soldering was subpar at best. Um, and, and eventually, we we finished it. It took us months. It took us most of the school year, unfortunately. But um, 
we ended up it ended up not working almost at all because mm-hmm. be, because the turns out the minus sign that we thought needed to go this way and the plus sign needed to go that way and there was just no way it was going to work we could reverse the polarity on the arduino but it wouldn't um it could only control the whole cube or none of the cube, not individual lights. The Couldn't it just do one light at a time? No. We could do... Huh. Yeah. Actually, the way... It was really an interesting way to accomplish a double helix if we did it right. Uh, we couldn't control... We couldn't make a double helix appear all at once. We could only control mm. one LED at a time. But we would flash them bright and fast and so fast and move them on to the next one and do all that so fast that it looked like they're all coming up at the same time because it leaves a little burn in your eye yeah and yeah i thought that was really just an interesting way to do that but basically we started bad we didn't know what we were doing and we just went for it and it just sucked (laughs) yeah but some good bonding time and and you didn't really have was like with video games and with the boat, there's an instant feedback loop, and you didn't get that until most of the stuff was soldered in. Yep. Yeah, to fix it, we would have had to take every LED and flip it around, and which would require unsoldering and resoldering every LED, which would improve our soldering, the <laughs> solders of those lights. But it, at that point, we were so done with this project that we you we were weren't very willing. Done with that yeah. project. All right, yeah, I remember that. That is definitely a case where moving fast without instruction went awry. All right, do you have one? Um, yeah, actually, it is one that has that instant feedback loop, but um, it's. I was doing a coding project last year, and I just didn't want to do whatever arithmetic to figure out. I think there were two constants and a plus and a minus that, like, I just had to figure out where to index something. Um, algorithmically, and I didn't want to actually do the math, so I just kept playing with those constants and the plus and minus signs over and over and over. I knew it was somewhere in those four things, but there are a lot of permutations of those four things, and yeah, it just, it didn't go well. I think I eventually got it, because there is a finite number of those, but it was the wrong way to go about it. Yeah, probably. <laughs> were you, were you um, th- at the time, were you thinking, uh, oh, I'm going to speed up this process by just guessing and checking? Or were you thinking, yeah, "Yeah, okay. Well, and then I got halfway through it, and I was like, well, now I have committed to not actually doing the math, so, eh. (laughs) Uh, Would just doing the math at that halfway point been worth it? I don't know. Okay. I I don't remember what the situation was exactly, just the general shape of it. Um, So then we get to the ship landing run, running aground eh. um, <laughs> and and that's when i realized the general flow of this book and why a lot of it seems to drag on and on is it follows the structure of like i'm going to go do the thing the thing happens hey here's what happened because of the thing and he describes every step of it like he described them haggling with the boatmen over whether or not they could get on the boat to get to the place then they described them being on the boat with the boatman getting to the place. And then they described what happened because they were with the boatman on the... It's a good structure because it keeps moving the story along. Everything has a logical 
before and after. Yeah, right. But also it makes particular parts of it drag on for quite a while. Um, another thing I noticed at around the same time when they switched to Olivia's perspective is he uses different words for the different perspectives, which was really cool. It was really good to notice, like, they used perp instead of the guy or whatever it was when they switched over to Olivia. It was a good touch. Oh, yeah, definitely. I didn't notice that, but now that you pointed out, I agree. Mm-hmm. And then I felt proud of myself for realizing that Jake was going to become important. Um, the brother from Idaho is going to become important once the terrorists start going down Prohibition Creek. But uh, then yeah. they mentioned it later on a couple chapters down and... I guess I'm not special. <laughs> um, oh, okay. Uh, then we are back to Marlin and Songor and Yuxia. And they're just going through and Marlin is like, oh, hey, I'm going to help you guys. We're going to get the money out of Reemdi and go along our merry way. At this point, if Marlin just totally cut ties with them, what would happen? Oh. Hmm. I don't know. And past that, why is Sangor, the guy who used to work for the mob, not thinking about that? Yeah, that's strange behavior. I was, it, it was just a weird... I, th- I think he did touch on it when Sangor was like, our money, and Marlon was like, nope, my money that I will share. But I still... Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I guess the mobster is thinking, I'm a mobster, what's he going to do? He can't run from the mob forever. He's not a mobster, though. He's like a contractor. Yeah. <coughs> Which is maybe maybe he's like, uh, I don't actually have any real stake in this, so if they told me to trust this guy, I guess I'm going to trust him. Yeah, I guess. I'm frozen. Um, Hold on. Yep. Okay. All right. Then they were talking about um, in terrain... There, like, there was a little window of Reemdi the troll, and then a bunch of windows of data around him. How much information is usually in your face when you're doing the average research or daily tasks on your computer? Uh, I usually keep, I have a three monitor setup, so I have my front monitor focused on the input, I guess. I have my left monitor focused on the reading because mm-hmm. if, chances are if I'm inputting something, I'm doing research on the thing I'm looking on on my left screen. I'm taking notes or something. Yeah. And on my right screen is for just information absorption. So it will consist of one of three windows. It'll be OmniFocus, Mail, or Twitter, depending on what I'm doing. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So there's a little uh, and bit. And then of... you also have the like the status bar of what your Wi-Fi is like and what your sound is like, and yes, I do have that. Um, and obviously, any notifications that pop up will. Mm-hmm. But that's it's not so much of a periphery information at that point. Not like yeah. it seems to be like for most tier rank <sighs> players. Mm-hmm. Did you ever play with Rain Meter? No. What's that's the status uh, Rain Meter? I think there's like Geek Desktop is the same. Yeah, I, there's okay. a couple different tools yeah. that do it, but uh, it, geek tool I played with for a while. Yeah, it can put different bits of information onto your desktop or onto your screen. Did so? What did you do with that? What was your? Um, it was a while ago, but I'm pretty sure I put um, before I had a bunch of monitors to display this information. I put um, a to do list, a um, a mail thing, a weather thing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
probably a computer status thing that I never used because I don't work my computer as hard as it can most of the time. Yeah. Sometimes, though. And that's helpful, but I don't need it always on my desktop. I can just open up another app. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I tried it, but the thing is a lot of that information is in another app. If I need the weather, I can just Google weather. Yeah, I don't think it needs to be absorbed. I think it can be looked for. Mm-hmm. Probably my most complex setup uh, is somewhere between when I'm editing videos in Premiere. I usually have a bunch of windows just because of the way that Premiere is set up. Where one is like the source files and one is the timeline that I'm editing and one of them is notes and one of them is the metadata on that file and different things like that. Right. And then when I'm podcasting as well, I've got show notes and personal show notes and the Skype with Steven and Adobe Audition all open at the same time, giving me different bits of information. Yeah, I usually keep it... When I'm podcasting with you, I usually keep uh, my personal notes and you on the same desktop. And then I keep Audacity and the shared agenda on the same desktop. And I have a two-desktop two switchover thing. Then uh, Richard... Drove up to the Schloss, past the RV. Mm, yeah. And it, did you think that was the Uxia RV? Or not the, the Zula RV? I mean, I kind of assume so. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I started to assume so. I keep on dropping that. I should just not pick it up again. That'd be the good idea. I, I was starting to assume so, but a lot of other times Neil Stevenson has done that kind of thing. It's just been a throwaway. It's been like, oh, yeah, it's just another RV that was going up because it's what RVs do. It could be. So I, uh, I guess the, if, I feel like you earned this one. Sorry. <laughs> if it's not the same RV, it doesn't matter that you're incorrect. If it is the same RV, then it probably will matter that you're correct. Right? Yeah. So... That's another, that's another thing about having the throwaway RV is that you can... Okay. Again, sorry for college noises. Um, if if you get it into your head... He's trying to get it into your head that... Ooh, that RV might be important sometime because mm-hmm. he's trying to just... If it's not the same RV, then he's distracting you from some other plot twist, Red Herring. Yeah. So... Uh, so at some level it doesn't really matter if it's the same rv (laughs) yeah i suppose well until it does in the story but yeah that happens um uh, and then i'm gonna skip down to when olivia was notified that people in the philippines were looking for jones because how does mi6 have that information spies Spies where? In the Philippines. they said they got a ping. Yeah, so someone in law enforcement in the Philippines says, hey, we're looking for this dude Jones, and then the MI6 spy is like, ping. Okay, and how does law enforcement know that they're looking for it? Looking for what? Looking for Jones. It, it was Yuxia who was looking for Jones. On, she was Googling for Jones. Okay, so not like that. But, like, maybe Uxia accessed a British-based server. With what? With her Googling for Jones. Through Tor? Yeah, actually, that would be okay, because if 
MI6 had a tap on the ISP that connects to that British server. Okay. Then... But it couldn't have traced her back to the Philippines, could it? Uh, no. They could control the Tor endpoint. That would work. But that'd be... that. I understand that's getting a little bit conspiratorial. Because otherwise say, I think it would... They, they wouldn't be... I Yeah, they wouldn't be able to say that it was from the Philippines. They would be able to say that someone was looking for Jones. Yeah, but they knew it was in the Philippines. Yeah. <sighs> Neil Stevenson. It's not how technology so works. So good Sorry. on so many I things. Didn't know, I didn't catch that. Good job. But but knowing how many computers can do Go and uh, knowing how Tor works, just not your strong points. Um, then we were figuring out the exchange. Olivia headed north. A lot of stuff that was just the like the thing that they said they were going to do was happening now stuff. Eh. Um, oh, okay. Do you remember the little bit where Zula had to get the key out? So she dug a cat hole in the woods. Yes, I do. Have you ever seen the movie rubber? I've seen the very beginning and the very end because I skipped through the middle. Okay. Those are the relevant parts. Do you remember what they say about, someone taking a dump in the woods or anywhere really in rubber no it was a while ago that in most movies bathrooms don't exist yes i do remember that they aren't shown but they just do not exist because in the universe of that movie it's not relevant unless you're watching the shining yes i remember this is another one of those bits of fiction where the bathroom (laughs) is relevant so it exists all right yeah, That's my that, last note. <laughs> it was relevant in the RV as well when they were talking about wastewater yeah, and how the RV could just keep functioning as long as you refilled it with gas, refilled it with water, and emptied the waste. Eventually it's going to need maintenance, but... Nope. <laughs> um, yeah. RVs are powered by gasoline and luck. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine that's more true than you think with a lot of RVs. Yeah probably a lot of vehicles in general yeah true i think i was just thinking more so with rvs because people don't use them as often as as their normal vehicles so there's less incentive to go and get it go get maintenance on it Mm -hmm. Uh, then it looks like our next uh episode we're going to be talking about up to the end of day 20 beginning of day 21 which is page 906 in my book Alrighty. And uh, in the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us about anything we've said, especially about this, uh, contribute, say what you think about the book, go right ahead. We're still reachable on Twitter, just like we were a good couple minutes ago. And we'll see you in two weeks. Goodbye. Goodbye.